Welcome, everybody. I'm Maria Ressa. Now, hold the line. Hashtag hold the line. You guys have heard me talk about it forever. Well, for four years now. Um, but it means a lot of things to different people. And it goes back down to your personal truth, the lines you draw. I always say, here's a line. And on this side, I'm good. This side, I'm evil. What happens when you cross? How do you explore these issues? Um, our series of filmmakers now is go are going to tell you their views. How do they draw the line? And the very first one is someone who has actually interviewed me and a thousand cuts filmmaker, Ramona Diaz. We've done a few things together and I am so happy to be talking to this woman who does left brain, right brain wonderfully well. Uh, here's a clip. I think as a songwriter, there is that urge to connect. There is that urge to say like, this is how I feel sometimes and then have fans say, oh my God, like I feel that way sometimes too. And I think a documentary, if you are open enough, you can connect with people. Being in the studio was, that was some of my favorite stuff that we filmed. And that was the first time I've ever had a camera crew in the studio. Mm. It's always been really off limits. Mm. It was actually amazing having you in the studio because like <laughs> we'd finish writing a song and like a, a sound guy would be like, this is really, that's a really good song. This film, Miss Americana, kicked off the Sundance my gosh, a year ago, before the world turned upside down. Lana, welcome to Rappler. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You know I'm such an admirer of you and the whole Rappler team and, and everything that you guys do. So thanks for having me. It's really an honor. Well, you know, we're going to talk about, I, I'm so thrilled to talk to you because we're going to go through all the, the things you have done. But, you know, I'm going to start and zoom in to Miss Americana and Taylor Swift at a moment when she really shifted. Um, you know, why Taylor Swift? Why did you decide to do this film? Well, Netflix came to me with this film. I basically got a call out of nowhere saying, would you be interested in doing a film about Taylor Swift? And uh, I, was, I was very surprised because my previous films were not about pop stars. They weren't music documentaries. They were about abortion, suicide, and PTSD. Uh, but I, I also happened to know Taylor's music very well. I was a fan. I knew that she had been writing her own songs since age 15. And I knew that she was one of the most powerful women, not only in, in culture, but in the world. And I thought, of course I'd be interested in a documentary about her. You know, she's a great artist, but also what has she gone through to get to where she is and what is her life like and what are the challenges that she faces as an artist, as a woman? So many questions immediately came up. So I was really excited by the opportunity right away. And what did you learn? And how long did you work on this film? What did you learn in the process? I learned that, uh, well, you know, first of all, I was surprised, but then also not surprised at all in some ways. You know, she was, Taylor personally was was smarter and funnier and, and kinder and more generous than I'd ever anticipated. So that was a wonderful experience. You know, I think when you meet a celebrity, you're always hoping or they, especially when you know someone through their songs or you think you know them through their songs, are they really that person? And, and she really is. Um, the other thing I learned was that 
just because someone's famous and successful doesn't mean they don't have pain, doesn't mean they don't get hurt or have challenges. And I think I connected a lot to Taylor as a female creative person myself, but also, you know, she's going through an extreme version of what girls and women, I believe all over the world go through. She's living through some stuff on a massive international stage on a scale that is unimaginable to a lot of us, but the heart of a lot of what she's experienced is I think deeply relatable and can resonate with a lot of people. You know, it was interesting. So <laughs> this is a weird story with Taylor Swift for me. At Time 100, I was behind her, but I didn't know it was her. So this is how stupid I am with things like this. I know her songs, but there was this tall blonde woman in front of me at uh, at the Time 100 and so much attention. It was like, I was like, wow, what's happening? Um, and then when when we were introduced and I I watched her through the night, she she was amazing. She performed, you know, wrote, um, sang and accompanied herself. Uh, she didn't sit down the entire night. I mean, she didn't really have dinner. She was she was going all around the room of, you know, frenetic energy, not frenetic, but very purpose driven. Um, you know what in your mind, you know, what made this moment special? Why, why this woman? Because she, it also seemed like she was focused and, and had a, had a, was finding her voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, when I started the project, uh, she had not done an interview in three years. She had been essentially in hiding for a while. She'd experienced an internet backlash and she'd gone into hiding for a couple of years. And she knew she was at a pivot moment in her life of some kind, but wasn't really sure what that was yet. And, and I could see right from meeting her that she wanted to find a way to live where the opinion of other people, the chatter of the world, whether in tabloids or online or um, you know, in her physical life, with all the, the threats and harassment she deals with just on a security level on a day-to-day -day basis, she wanted to find a way to live where she could shut all of that away and focus on her music and her fans and what really matters to her. So it was a moment where she kind of hit rock bottom and was coming out of it and trying to figure out what is the best way to live, really, which is, I think, something I'm interested in in all of my films. What is the best way to live? And she, as I was filming her, um, she just started to feel more and more that after being notoriously apolitical for a long time during Trump's presidency, because of what was going on in our country, especially, and because of the personal circumstances that she was emerging from, which included not only going into hiding for a couple of years, but a sexual assault trial that she went through uh, and survived and, and won, but not without that sexual assault trial feeling like a dehumanizing, humiliating experience to her. I think it was a moment that really altered her perspective in a lot of ways. She came out of all of this with this new strength and confidence. And I think that gave her the space to do something she'd wanted to do for a while, but had been told was, was not okay to do, um, which was to speak out politically for the first time. And 
once that happened and I was filming all this stuff leading up to it and including this extraordinary scene with her management team and her mother and her father, uh, I thought this scene where she tells her father who loves her deeply and wants what's best for her and they, they disagree about what to do in terms of whether she should endorse a candidate or not, I, I just thought this is a really powerful scene. It's a scene a lot of people can connect to because we all have this coming of age moment where we might tell our parent or someone who loves us, I hear you, but I need to do things my way now. And so once we had all that and I saw this happen, it comes down to me and the choices of, well, what is this film about? What is the focus? You could make a documentary about Taylor Swift about hundreds of different things and for me, what I came down to was, well, what is strongest about this film? I think that it's Taylor's self-criticism, self-scrutiny and her capacity to grow and change. And in this one particular area, we saw a profound change. Whereas in other ways, she's really been the same person since she was seven years old, which is remarkable and amazing that she's stayed the same person her whole life. But in this one way, there has been a real change. And not only is it a change, but it's a change that led to a response from the president of the United States. So it actually, it led to millions of young people registering to vote. It had a huge impact. So I decided to make the film build to that climax. And then it was a question of, how do we get there? And how does Taylor's journey um, connect to journeys that we all go on, not only girls and women, but anyone who worries about what people think of them, who want to make art, but are afraid of what people will say, or who want to speak out or stand up for themselves in some way, but are afraid of the backlash that they might face. I, I think that's why, that's why I enjoyed watching this, you know, to see, because sometimes these larger than life uh, people, we mm -hmm. think they, have, they live in paradise, but really they don't. So, so, and, so you, you mentioned this, what is the best way to live? I mean, your mm -hmm. first film was in Japan about suicide, right? And then you went on to abortion, which looks like you were exploring the end of how, you know, so what is the best way to live for you mm -hmm. in, in what you've explored, Lana? Yeah. Well, so the abortion film was actually first and then the suicide oh. film. But, but just to say that I think that the reason the abortion film was first is, is because I'd, I'd wanted to make films for a while. I, I was, had a lot of projects, but had not realized one yet. And I think for me, I had fears around making films. I found these subjects, the four abortion providers in my first film who were you could say the foremost threatened abortion providers in America, um, they had so much courage and their stories had not been told and they were so misunderstood. And in fact, the whole issue of, of abortion and specifically third trimester abortion, which is what they all do, was so misunderstood. And I, I just felt like this is urgent, you know, and this is something no one else is going to do. And they're so brave about their work. They're actually risking their lives every day. Who am I to be a coward about making a movie? You know what I mean? Just they inspired me to kind of put aside my own worries and, and make this film with them. And yeah, I think that they, and then the next film, the monk, Itetsu Nemoto in Japan, who's inspiring people who are depressed or suicidal to find reasons to live. I think 
what connects them is that they're extreme altruists in a way. They're, they're so devoted to um, helping people in different ways. They're so devoted to it that it's hard for them to keep going. You know, the abortion doctors are literally under threat all the time. More abortion providers in America have been assassinated than US presidents. That's the situation we're in. And then with Nimoto, the monk in Japan, um, he is working so hard. He has the phone, phones are ringing off the hook all the time of people who want to die, who need him to help inspire and lift them up. But the stress of that work and the 24 seven nature of it is destroying his own health. And the film is about him coming to this realization that his own health is being affected, but that he's also neglecting his own relationship with his child. So I guess I, I think we all have questions like this in our lives. You know, what is the best way to spend my life and to spend my time, and especially for people who, you know this better, than anyone for people who want to change the world and make it better and do something good you're you you have to constantly ask questions of how much is too much how far is too far and what exactly is the best way to do that and is this really helping or is this really a narcissistic enterprise that i'm on you know what i mean i just finished obama's memoir and that's the question he was asking himself over and over i was in the same way that i was surprised by taylor swift's um self self-criticism, how she's harder on herself than anyone else. When I finished Obama's memoir, I thought, wow, he has more self-doubt and self-loathing than I could have ever imagined. And I, I think that's a healthy instinct in a lot of ways. But I, I, I guess just to say that I'm, I'm really drawn to these people trying to figure out the best way to live, the best way to make a difference. Um, and, and through that, I think understanding the questions we've always had, which is what is the meaning and purpose of our lives? Why are we here? You know, what should we be doing with our limited time on the planet? There isn't enough time to talk about all of this and you've hit uh, all of the themes, including the theme of the show, which, you know, the question I always ask people now is what are you willing to sacrifice for the truth? Because I think this is kind of an existential moment for that. And you, you touch all of the people you focused on um, for Nimoto, for example, the, the personal toll, even, even in terms of the self-doubt you described, mm -hmm. I think those things are important, right? Because if you're not mm -hmm. asking those questions, then oftentimes uh, you're doing it for, for your ego. You're doing it. You're not mm -hmm. self-aware enough, right? So right. Where, where do you draw your line from, 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 from serving? <laughs> How do you define it? You mean in in making the films, basically? For yourself, yeah. For your, yeah. In your life, the less, you know, essentially, I guess it's the lessons you've learned from all these people. You talk, you talk about them so articulately. You created films about them. But what do you take for your own life? Where do you yeah. draw the line? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, one thing that always stays with me is, one time when making the departure, when talking about just speculating off camera with Neymoto about what would happen to the film, when it would be released, when it would come out, he said, your goal should be to make a film that will last 100 years. And I really 
loved that because I, I, I try to see it as a, it doesn't matter if it doesn't have an immediate impact on legislation, that's okay. What matters more is will this last and does it change the people who watch it in any way? I mean, you know, what is the role of, of movies, of documentary film, of art in the world? You know, it can't, I don't think it is suited to the kind of immediate impact of a journalistic investigation, for example, that can immediately change legislation as you have done. And as I mentioned to you earlier, as, as my father, who's an investigative reporter has also done, you know, but I, I think films are different. It's a 90 minute experience that's in a completely different context. And I guess I look at it as, for me, watching a movie is more equivalent to going to church or something like that, a kind of religious, exploration of, of questions about life and the doubts that we have without necessarily needing to get all the answers, knowing there aren't answers, you know, there are no answers. We, we don't, we don't know the answers to a lot of that stuff, but just the act of exploring and asking that. And as you say, doubting and questioning and asking the questions over and over again, that's meaningful in itself, even if you don't have an ultimate answer. This is, uh, and you know, I, I guess this moment, this once in a century moment with the pandemic, with, with technology, you've heard me talk about this forever. You, the fact meaning is atomized in the mm -hmm. way we all communicate. And that's why films, I think, gain greater meaning now because you're forced to actually, it can't be atomized when you're, when you're watching it. Mm -hmm. um, although in the theater, it can't be, but right now online, it can. So this yeah. particular moment, Lana, you, you're young, you're, you know, what, um, what advice, I guess, you know, how do you navigate this once in a century moment? And uh, <laughs> this is my last question, you know, no, courage on, I guess, is, is our thing, hold the line. But for you, for this once in, in a century moment, as you as you start to think about as you're working, I'm sure on your next film. Yeah. What characterizes it? What advice would you give? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm struggling, like I think everyone is struggling in, in different ways. I think we're all finding aspects of ourselves we never even knew existed because of the situation that we're in. So um I'm struggling to know what to do. I guess what has kept me sane is that literally just volunteering in my tiny neighborhood in Brooklyn has given me some purpose, some small purpose, which actually reminds me of during the departure, a lot of suicidal people would come to Neymoto. He would often, you know, the whole point of the film is that it's an exercise in finding what is meaningful to you in your life, even if it's as small as the taste of ice cream. Is that worth living for? Yes, it can be. He would often tell people, just get a pet. If you can't think of anything else to do, get a pet because then you have something that needs you and that gives you purpose. And I do think that we as human beings needing each other does give us meaning and purpose. So volunteering has given me a little purpose. I'm also, you know, trying to understand this in my own way in work by, I think I might've mentioned you in making a film about psychics. And, you know, people coming to psychics right now, it's like, 
psychics have existed all around the world since the beginning of time, but right now we are more anxious and uncertain and frightened than ever before. And I think a lot of people are also reevaluating what's important in their lives and how they should act in the world more too. So people coming to psychics, it's, it's the usual problems, but it's more extreme. And what I've noticed in filming and observing those sessions is that we want to know, what we want to know is that someone sees us, we're special, and that we're having an impact on the world. And I don't know if any of those things are actually true. <laughs> you know, I don't necessarily believe that they're true, but I do think we have this desire in us since we're kids to feel that way, you know, to feel, does my existence matter in some way? So I think that for everyone, it's about finding their own way to, to matter, to make a difference, to whether it's, you know, how you participate politically to how you live in just the day-to-day -day inside your household that you perhaps can't leave right now. I think it's, it's just trying to find stuff that brings meaning and that is something that gives you a purpose. It almost doesn't matter what it is. Something that gives you a purpose is key. Fantastic. You know, it, it, I love the, the way you always, that your left brain, right brain, the way they all come together. So thank you. Thank you so much, Lana Wilson. Hashtag hold the line. I am so thrilled to speak with you. Last words, Lana. Any last thoughts? Last words. Well, I want to hear your answer to the last question, Maria. Actually, truly. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's similar to what you've said. I guess for me, I, I I lived my way in, and I think this is part of the reason I'm curious in in this series. It's the through line. You're mm -hmm. a through line from abortion, from after tiller, uh, to to dealing with suicide in a language you don't speak. You know, mm -hmm. you just went to Japan. How many filmmakers, a commercial film filmmaker, may not actually may not do that, right? So. And, and then touching these ta these topics that are so uh, core, uh, mm -hmm. life and death, and then kind of what what he had to give up for to help other people live. He sacrificed mm -hmm. so much of himself. And then, of course, the complete opposite swing to Taylor Swift, and um, and actually, you know, what we also learned in that film. Um, so I'm running around the, your question. I think for me, it is, well, it's, it's Rappler. It's almost like being present in the moment, mm -hmm. taking context of everything around you, defining your lines, and mm -hmm. then charting your path forward. That's a really big answer. I I, I'm living my way yeah. into it. Does that make sense? But what you say too, you actually made me think of something, which is thinking about, you know, Taylor Swift to this priest, to the abortion doctors. One thing that I've noticed in all the subjects I filmed with, and I don't just mean them, I mean also the patients coming to abortion clinics and people who are struggling with feeling suicidal and depressed, the reason everyone wants to participate in the film who does, and the reason they get something out of that experience is because they so often say, I felt completely alone and isolated in this experience I was having. And the idea that I could be in a film and that it could go halfway around the world and reach someone who is similarly feeling alone in their experience, they'll know they're not alone anymore. That is meaningful. And I, I think it's true that in the worst moments, 
um, we turn to stories and we, we want to hear, did anyone else feel this way too? Or is it just me? I think that is a way of bringing comfort and hope. And even, I think the reason Taylor was game to make a documentary and is one as intimate as we made was because she knew that her, for example, speaking about her own eating disorder would give comfort and hope to the millions of people around the world who are struggling with their eating disorders. And they would think, oh, she had that? She, but she, she's an icon of beauty. She has everything. How could she go through that? If she dealt with that, that means there's not something wrong with me. There's something actually wrong with our culture and our society and our world that is making us feel this way. You know what I mean? And so I've just noticed, it's been interesting to me, the generosity of people who are willing to be in the documentaries that I and, and people like Ramona and others make is that they know that sharing their story could mean something to someone else and could help someone else. And I think that's just, it's always such a beautiful thing to see. I'm going to ask one last question before we, yeah. we end this, which is, you know, the, for journalists, we do, we know a good story because narratives do drive everything. Uh, the yeah. power of myth, right. From forever, from forever. Uh, even disinformation relies on meta narratives, replacing the narratives that, that, that are factual based. Mm. But for you, I guess, one of the things that I, I thought interesting is, a journalist puts micro macro together. Um, how, how do you as a filmmaker think about that? Issues first, narrative first, character, you know, how do you put your micro macro together for your meaning? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I guess I tend to look at character first because films are this representational form where we're seeing human beings. And because I've tended to gravitate towards character studies. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm mostly looking for who is this person? What is their fundamental strength slash challenge? Because I think everyone has something that is their greatest gift, but is also the thing that is makes it hardest for them to exist in the world. So I guess I approach it a bit as a detective or maybe it's a little like immersion journalism, uh, you know, where you embed and you come with curiosity and openness and are learning and learning and learning. And then when you see it, you kind of know, and then you start to dive into and push into that area. And when I say you see it, you know, I guess, I mean, I'm looking for something that whether it's with a pop star or whether it's with a Japanese priest, I'm looking for a moment where I feel a chill, emotion, a sense of shocking recognition in someone who's very different from me on the surface. Because I think that's when you have this moment of, you know, yeah, we are all human beings underneath everything else. We're all the same frightened, insecure, but also courageous, amazing people who want to, to be loved and feel like they have meaning and, you know, a purpose like we've been talking about. But so I, I, I think I'm always in that mode. And then once I find the thing, it's a matter of zoning in on it, but then of thinking, well, what are the most cinematic and interesting ways we can capture this thing and explore it in a film?
fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, looking forward to your next film. Thank you, Lana Wilson. I'm Maria Ressa. Talk to you guys again soon.